the climbing stick has finally gone metal-free. Our goal for the Carbon SS climbing sticks was to make them as light as possible without sacrificing durability. And we wanted to make them stack flush so they're compact for saddle hunters and tree stand hunters. The new aerospace carbon fiber technology allowed us to achieve ultralight weight specs and removed all moving parts and hardware for improved durability. The sticks also feature our patent-pending metal-free attachment method that makes setup easier, faster, and quieter. The Carbon SS climbing sticks are made right here in the USA and come with a five-year manufacturer's warranty. For more information, visit LatitudeOutdoors.com. The Mobile Hunter is obsessed with exploring unfamiliar places, and this is what our gear is designed to do. At Latitude Outdoors, we build mobile hunting equipment for hunters who like to move often and move fast. Whether you're an experienced whitetail hunter or new to the game, if you want to be mobile, we have options that are worth considering. Our saddles, climbing sticks, and platforms are made right here in the USA and are available at LatitudeOutdoors.com. Thanks for checking out the gear and good luck this season. Welcome to the Life Outdoors podcast. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and motivate. We speak life into and through the outdoors. Now join your hosts, Nate Bailey and Gage Bailey, as we navigate through the mountains of this life. Hunting the Cascades for elk can be one of the hardest hunts that you'll be on, um, probably in the western United States for elk. And uh, I think that's one of the draws, uh, that it, one of the things that have drawn me to the Cascades is how hard it is. But another draw is the amount of habitat that are in the Cascades that aren't messed with by roads. You know, most of the Cascade range, if, if you go up to the summits of the Cascade, um, a, most of it, especially in Oregon, is wilderness area. So it's an area outside of roads, and that's what makes it so hard, but it also makes it so beautiful as well. Because um, a lot of that habitat, there's so much habitat up there that there could be elk anywhere. And that's one of the big deals about it. So that's why I think it attracts us so much. You know, you always hit the woods just a little bit less than where you want to be when you hit the woods. And you find out that your pack is pretty heavy. And, and as you're going up and down these steep hillsides, trying to find the wallows that hold that are holding elk, the deep fern canyons that you have to drop into from the ridges, and all these things. And the foliage is so full that you're not able to uh, hear bugles very far off. And it's just, it's just one of those things that if you start getting into big cascade bowls, they just feel really special. For some reason, they grow these great big, tall, dark antlers. And, you know, Roosevelt's do the same thing, but Roosevelt's almost, the ones that I've been around, the ones that are a little bit west of the Cascades, they say, you know, down between the coast and, 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 the, and the western edge of the Cascades, seem to have like a more brownish tint to their antlers whereas these big cascade bulls are like black antler bulls they're they're just nasty big and black bulls and and they tend to carry the same weight so so i think oregon actually calls them roosevelt bulls roosevelt elk but i would say they're even a subspecies um between the two because they carry a different antler look to them 
than most of the Roosevelt's that I'm used to. But the reason that I come in and talk about the Cascade Elk is because that's something that a lot of people haven't probably done. And um, it's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, we've had fairly good success with the Cascade Bulls. Um, it's getting more, a lot of our spots are getting hit pretty hard, but it's getting more and more popular for people to go into the backcountry and chase these bulls around. So it's getting a little bit harder to get into the big herds of the bulls. Another thing that we have here in the Southern Cascades here in Oregon, uh, Southern Oregon is we have wolves that have been pushing them around. And, and I have seen a definite change in elk behavior because of the wolves. And it's, one of the big th changes is they don't stick in spots as long. They they won't stay in a basin for, say, you know, two weeks of the rut. They move in and out of basins a lot faster, so that makes you a lot more mobile if you're going to hunt these guys. Well, we hunted the Cascades solely last year, and it was tough. And I'll tell you right now, it was super tough. We got into some bulls. But uh, we never got into the good group of bulls that uh, weren't being molested. Our favorite ground, uh, we ran into more hunters than I've ever seen in the Cascades. I, I think I probably ran into 10 total hunters in that same little area. And uh, people were hunting the backside of that. I, I was told that one of the campgrounds was full and that uh, has 13 spaces. And that's a pretty that's pretty a lot of pressure when you're talking about these cascade elk that can move out of these places that are you know relatively close to trailheads, five to you know six miles, they move back further in. So um, we didn't we we by the time we figured out what was going on, we didn't have much time left, and we weren't able to to uh, connect. But uh, one of the big things that happened is we had one of the kids from our youth group that kid he's a young man he's a man that uh has made very well has done a lot for himself but I, I call him kid because he grew up in the youth group and he's and he was man i've known him since he was just a little guy and anyhow he he's a filmer for the industry and he, he does a lot of different um films for a lot of different people within the hunting industry and he was set out to hunt this one bull that he had found and uh so he lives in idaho now but he came back to oregon and a couple of his buddies came out to hunt with him one of them was from new zealand that owns the hunting journal over in new zealand if you haven't seen that magazine it's fantastic and if you haven't followed them go on instagram and follow the hunting journal those those guys are fantastic they do a lot um this little kiwi was pretty awesome and then um, another friend of his came out from Oklahoma City, who is, um, he's in the video industry, but he's also been uh, a hunting videographer for years as well. But <clears throat> one of the big things that came out of it is, man, we all were suffering trying to find these elk. We were climbing up these mountains. None of us were in the shape that we wanted to be in, except for Luke. And the kid from New Zealand, they could just run all over everywhere. But um, but the rest of us were just sweating, you know, sacrificing blood to trees as we we're coming up through, scraping on things, getting our feet tangled up and coming across, uh, you know, yellow jacket nest and, and 
all of us having to run, barely making it up these hills as it was. It was a mental contest just to push ourselves with all of our pack and all of our gear up some of these slopes and then to run into a yellow jacket's nest you got to add all that extra exertion and you're living out in the woods it's cold in the mornings and hot in the afternoons it, it was just it's just one of those places that brings out um i don't know it, it, you get closer to your spirit when you're around that kind of stuff and you when you get away from all of the artificial amenities of uh, domesticated life, you start thinking more spiritual terms. And that happened one night. So we were we we had been pushing it, and we'd been putting on about 10 miles a day and just not having any kind of luck. So we just pulled up our stakes, and we said, we're going to go in. There's a basin that I know of. We're going we're gonna to pack in there. And this was in the middle of the day. We're like, we're going in, and it was going to – by the time we got in there, it was going to be dark, and we knew it. But we were going to pack in, hunt that through. If we didn't find a bull in there, then we're going to pull out and go find somewhere else. And it was it was one of the guy's last days before he had to fly out, and we were really working hard to try to get him a bull. So it was, it was, it was really interesting on how hard we had tried and how much we had worked at how open we were to talking about spiritual things and talking. I mean, you guys have all been there, right? That's half the reason we go out and hunt. And especially us backcountry guys, that's probably the most reason we go out and hunt is to um, connect with something that is way beyond ourselves is to get outside of the normal and is to be away from all of the, um, it, it's, it's almost like, these things of the domesticated life weigh us down to where we can't see the reality of what's really going on in life. And we have to get away from that to be able to reset ourselves to the realities of life. And so that's, that's what we're, that's what we're doing. And we got out, we got all of our tenon, we got into the spot that um, was in between the muskeg, uh, you know, kind of like the skunk cabbage stuff and the grass prairie and we set up camp down there and as everybody was you know getting out their food and, and getting out their jet boils and and we were we were getting all of our packing food ready to eat i i was cooking some uh top ramen and I, we found some mushrooms and stuff we threw that in and and put a little beef jerky in it and you know it makes a pretty good meal after especially that, uh, okay, so I said you get closer to your spiritual self when you're out in the backcountry, but you also get closer to your body, which I think one or one in the same. You guys, I, it that's how I look at life. It's it's very holistic. That we, our spirits and our bodies are so intertwined. It's it's um, if we sit and meditate on this and start really thinking about it. Think about who you are as a human and think about how these things are so intertwined that uh, we take it for granted a lot. We don't be introspective and we don't think about what we're thinking about. And we really need to start thinking about what we're thinking about and listening to the voices that are telling us how we should think. And you see, that's um, something that hunting has brought to me personally throughout most of my life. Anyhow, we sat down and we started eating and we leaned up against our packs and we were looking at the stars and 
you know how August nights are filled with shooting stars and everything that's beautiful. And then we could see, you know, the satellites running through and we started talking about spiritual things. And the conversation, of course, led to um, Jesus, because if you're going to talk about anything that has reality and is something that you um, can't tangibly touch. Right. So like Jesus, we can't tangibly go up there and shake his hand right now. But we do know he's there. And the way we know he's there is because of all of the effects of what he has said through the Bible comes true now. And it comes true in the physical world as well as in the spiritual world. So that times that you're sitting there and you're having, say, you know, when you're up on top of a ridge by yourself and you guys have all done this and you start just meditating on what in the world is going on um, around you. And you just start looking at like the sun rise as it comes up. And if you sit there and realize what's really going on is you and Jesus are there alone. And unless, of course, there's somebody with you. Right. But if you're by yourself up on top of this ridge and you're watching the sun come up, it's you and Jesus that are seeing that. Nobody else is seeing that from your same perspective. Nobody is seeing the sunset exactly the way that you're seeing it. And Jesus is giving you that. That's like a gift to you. And so you... If you, if you sit and meditate on this, this is a spiritual thing. you got to be within your spirit to understand this. But when you see this come up and you understand that, that is, you're the only person that's seeing that sunrise from that perspective, then you start understanding a little bit more of how Jesus interacts with us. And that's when you actually start worshiping him. That's, that's what brought me to worship to Jesus. That's what brought me to understand that he is the king, the redeemer, and the savior. And... These are the things that um, have reality that hit down to the marrow of your of your core as a as a hunter, and that's why a lot of us do this. An another thing, you know, is the fellowship that you have with other hunters. Like I said, we were sitting down there, and we were um, looking at the stars, and so the comments started asking, well, how in the world do you think those came? And then of course, you know, the, the comments were, well, millions of years ago, we're not really actually seeing the star because those are so far away that light years takes this long for it to actually re reach our eyes. And it might not even be stars. And I said, well, <clears throat> where'd they come from? And these kind of conversations happen out in the woods with dudes that, that don't necessarily have all the same ideas about things, but can sit there and talk about this stuff. And so w the conversation really turned into, um, how do you really know that? How do you really know what you're being told about, you know, light years and these kind of things? We really don't know that we're, we're taking that in faith from somebody else. And I said, you know, to me, um, it's really hard. It's really hard to sit here and think about how we're thinking about this stuff without thinking about that there's a fact that there's a spirit that's leading these thoughts. Because when we're sitting here and thinking about this, 
we're, we're arguing with ourselves whether or not it's true and we're trying to find this truth and why do we even care about truth why why do you even care about what the truth is if there is no such thing as something who created truth right if there's no such thing as the ultimate truth then why do we even care about truth because then if we could make up our own truth then there's not really much truth in that because we know how much of a liar we really are and i and i i get very deep and very um understanding of my spiritual self and i hear the voice of jesus intuitively speaking to my spirit and i'll tell you what that is more true more true than a lot of the humans that speak to me and when i say that is because it's convicting and calling me back to something that is actually true now of course humans do speak truth to people but you got to consider this what is more true in a human what you see on the outside or what is going on on the inside i'll give you an example one of the examples is the fact that um you tell yourself you sp you have an internal conversation with yourself and a lot of times that internal conversation is completely different than what the people around you see case of, case in point um just think you get up out of bed the first thing you do is the dog took a dump beside the bed you step in it and you're like, oh, man, and it starts your day off wrong, right? So you start getting in this bad attitude. You go into the shower. The hot water here broke down. You have to take a cold shower. You're running five minutes late to work because you had to clean all that off. And then you you get to work, and somebody there at work that, you know, you don't like is, you know, you, everybody's got that person, right, that's always watching the clock and going, what are you doing here? You're late. And, uh I'm telling or whatever. There's always that person, right? And um, then you come up to a person that you do like and they go, hey, man, how's it going? And you think the minute that that thought enters your your brain or that, that question enters your brain, you think, oh, man, this day can't get a whole lot worse. It sucks. I'm I I'm, you know, and these are split second things, right? But then you smile and you say, oh, I'm doing fine or I'm doing good. And the reality is, is you're inside. You're hating the things that are going on. You're not doing good. You're having a hard day. Maybe maybe somebody died in your family that day or you, you get you know what I'm getting at. You've all been there, right? You've all been there before. You've all we've all been there. We've all uh, just wore a smile on our face when we're dying inside and shown um, people around us, we've all lied to them. And that's what I'm saying is when, when I'm outdoors, I'm not allowed to do that. I have to, uh, I have to face reality. You know, uh, elk don't lie to you. Deer don't lie to you. Bees don't lie to you. Uh, being cold doesn't lie to you. Uh, your, your legs screaming at you to stop. Don't lie to you. So you have to face the truth, and I think that's one of the big draws um, to the outdoors. And you know, a lot of guys, um, a lot of guys just don't 
really think that that is a spiritual thing when in reality it is. You know, Jesus himself was an outdoorsman. He he himself knew a lot about the outdoors. We could see it all over in the Bible where he talks about things of the outdoors. You know, he's familiar with nature. Matthew 7, uh, 15 shows his familiar with like wolves. He, he understood how wolves react. Um, he referenced snakes, you know, Matthew 10. He talks about snakes and he didn't care for them too much. Neither do I, uh, by the way. You want to see me run like a like a, a little kid, just get a snake around me. Um, he understood the way of foxes, Matthew 8, 28, and Luke 13, uh, 32. He referenced birds a lot of times in his teachings. And, you know, he was very intuitive to what was going on in the natural world. He, The reason he references these things and the reason that he uses these things is he's talking about them in the... Um, using them as metaphors because we all could see something in that there's truth in that and it speaks to our soul um he one of the cool things that that i like to think of when i when i start looking at jesus i understand that he, you know my wildness my undomesticated um part of me um is more like him than than we're being taught um you know he knew that green wood doesn't burn I mean, how many people in today's society do you think just think that wood burns, right? Unless you deal with campfires or with a wood stove, um, you don't even know what to look for in wood. You know, woodsmanship is something that Jesus had. He knew how to get uh, charcoal fire glowing and cooking fish on it, John 21. He uh, appreciated the wildflowers and the grasses. He, you know, all these things that he has done, he is... He is um, is something that we connect to when we're out there with him. Um, just think about it. Just think about the things that Jesus has done. He always retreated to the wilderness uh, to be closer to the Father, um, to be still and, and to know that, um, you know, it tells us to be still and know that I am God. It tells, and he did that. He showed um, how, us how to be closer to God through the outdoors. And, I, I take this in comparison to what's going on today. When we talk about church, um, a lot of times your mind goes straight to a building, right? A lot of times your mind goes into this idea of we're going to church. And a lot of you guys that are listening to this are probably like, man, I, I'm just going there to keep my wife happy. And, you know, yeah, I'll probably pick something up here and there. But you don't understand um, that church is us it's not the buildings we, we have this worldview of what worship is right too like worship is singing and that's not true that's not true now singing can be worship but worship is not singing and <clears throat> as a youth pastor i realized this i i we would be in with adults during what they called worship service right that's that's what it's called at a, at a church and see, we got to get this out of our thinking. It's more real life than that. To be a Christ follower doesn't mean that you go to church. It means you are the church. And it must, doesn't mean that you have a worship service. It means that your life is worship. That What you do is worship to Christ if you're in Christ. 
and 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 you sacrifice worship is sacrificing something for christ that's what worship really is and you're you know praise can be worship um the whole book of psalms was written by men who worshiped hard and and they were doing that through praise but they also worshiped in different ways as well and that's one of the reasons that um we started the life outdoors because we realized this that there are some weird things going on within the church age now that um, have built some worldviews, like the fact that you go to church. You don't go to church. You go and meet in a building, and you are the church. You got to understand that. And then everything that you do throughout the week, you are still the church throughout the week. So you're the church at your job. You're the church out in the woods. You're the church. And the the things that distract us from that are these things that humans have made up that we've we've distract we've we've pulled away from what church is and if we actually understood this about ourselves and understood what jesus intends to do with the church and what he built us for then we become a lot more um christian oriented and i know a lot of guys are sitting here listening to this and going man that that sounds really familiar to me i mean I caught myself in worship service, sitting there, not worshiping God at all, just thinking about what I had to get done, what I had to do. And I thought, man, I bet you I'm not the only guy in here. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people that can worship in a worship service like that, and they're actually worshiping Christ. And I I have done it, too. I've been there, too. But a lot of times I catch myself not even worshiping and I look around and I, I start looking into the crowd and I see that there's a lot of guys that are in the same boat, man. They're thinking about what they have to get done when they get home, or maybe they're thinking about an adventure they have, or maybe they're led into worship, but they're thinking about a time that they were around a campfire with a bunch of dudes talking about Christ and how much more that felt like worship than standing there and singing um, songs that they really didn't know. <clears throat> I'm not trying to cut down on that uh, by any means, but what I am trying to do is shift that worldview to make you think that worship is something completely different than what you think it is. It's something completely different than what is being sold as like worship music or what is being said as this is worship music. Um, Worship music is music that is actually bringing you to see God as who he is. And to fall at your feet and sacrifice something for him and say, I am not worthy of you, Lord. That's what worship is. And you could do that with everything. When you when you give yourself up to, say, a, a kid's soccer team, um, and you do it knowing that it's going to cost you something, but you do it because you know that you as a Christian can influence people and be somebody that can be uh, a light in those situations, then you're, you're doing an act of worship right then and there. And I want to bring that to your attention. Another thing is, is that I want to bring to your attention is um, the church. You are the church. You're, you're the church. Yeah, we're supposed to get together and we're supposed to assemble. And yeah, we're supposed to go over the word together. And yeah, we, we do have people that um, are in charge of studying. That's their job. And then they bring you the message. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But the problem is, is how we've skewed our worldview towards we're going to church. N- no, you're, you are, you're meeting as the church in a building. And that building means nothing. It's a good place to meet. That's what it means. 
the problem is, is we get so tied up in these things that we start tying that into what reality is. And then that turns a lot of people off because then they see that as what Christ is and they look at that. And then that is just religion. That's just another religion. But the reality is, is Christ is real. He acts in this world and he builds community. And um, those are the realities of who Christ is. Now, that's why we started the Life Outdoors, because we want to bring that reality to people to, to understand what their life is here for. And so here's the deal, is if Christ is real, and he says that he is the Lord, and the only way that you're going to um, live in eternity or, or get past death, okay, that's what that means, is if you come to him and, and say, I sacrifice everything that I think that is, I am, I give it to you. And because you are the Lord, you are God, you are the one that has um, put a definition, put reality to reality. You're the one that gets to say what is real. And I just want to uh, be able to worship you and, and to put you in the place that I used to put myself in when I worship myself. And if you do that and you come to him, it's not about getting out of hell. That's not why you come to Christ. You come to Christ because he is the truth. You really have no other reason unless you want to live lies. That's, that's basically what it comes down to is you have no other reason to come to Christ unless you want to live in a liar's world. If you want to live in truth, you have to come to Christ. If you really want to live a true life, you have to come to Christ. And that truth transcends this material world and time. It's, it's based in that spiritual world. You know, the spot that we were talking about where you connect with the Lord and, and you understand the things that he says through the things that are, that are intuitive, through the things that are controlled from the outside world. You connect with him there. And that's why we believe that getting outdoors and getting around other Christians in the outdoors <clears throat> is a big deal is um, very important. And then that will bring you into worship when you do start going to the buildings that hold the church. When you get to these fellowships, when, when people are coming together, when you come to that then, now you're going to approach it with a completely different thing. It's not going to be religion anymore. It's going to be you. It's going to be holistic. It's going to be living Christ-likeness. Uh, so... I hope to encourage you. If you guys have any questions about anything that I've said, <clears throat> you can leave them in the comments. You could also get a hold of me, um, thelifeoutdoors.com. You could get a hold of me on Instagram. You can get a hold of me anywhere. But I would love to help you guys understand more about how my relationship um, was kindled in the outdoors. It, that's where the flame started. And I want to be able to burn. And give that message to other people because I know there's a, so many of you guys out there listening that um, <clears throat> feel like you're just doing a Christian religion. And you know that there's something beyond that. You know there's something true. I pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, please make yourself known into all of our wild places. And thank you for continuing to make us wild. And please, Lord, don't let the domesticated life take over in us. 
Don't let us start uh, living within this world. Let's live outside of it. Almost in rebellion against it by being wild and, and by being somebody who understands the wilderness, who is, who is a woodsman, somebody who understands woodmanship. And these things, Lord, we know will bring us closer to you. And that's the true reason for anything that we do. Lord, we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Life Outdoors podcast. Join the Life Nation by spreading this podcast or by going over to our YouTube channel, giving us a subscribe, or even by following us on Instagram. All these things help spread the life. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Keep living. In wild country, rules were not created by man. Wild Country, the challenge of what's outside brings you closer to what's inside. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, presented by Expedition Enterprises. It's going to get a little hairy. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.